17. We'll really be in there all morning. I don't think we'll be turning. I don't think you guys will be turning. Uh, man, I, I, love, I love a worship service. I just do. I just, uh, um, I, I, I mean it. Like, I could just sing for another 30 minutes or an hour. We could go home. I could say, it's been good to be in the house of God. I believe that with all my heart. <clears throat> and uh, maybe sometime we'll just do that. That'd be all right. Uh, amen. As we're coming into this passage of scripture, we'll preach this morning. There's a there's a different mentality to the whatever crowd you're in has a different mentality. We all know this, right? If you go to like a Republican rally, they're going to have one set of standards and beliefs than say a Democratic rally, right? They're going to have different views, different uh, uh, convictions for sure. Um, backing different people, your conversations are going to be different. Um, but the same goes for, for anywhere you go. Um, say, uh, a baseball game. You're going to have a different mentality of, rather than a funeral, right? You're coming to a baseball game with a, you know, a relaxed... I mean, there, there's a switch I, I turn off, uh, 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 um, or I turn on. It's not often, but when I just like, like, like at Christmas time, and I, I like, I vowed to my family, I'm going to do nothing for a week, and I basically did. And like, I just now all of a sudden I have this do nothing mentality of I'm just going to do. Now all of a sudden it's like, oh, I got to do that, right, right. And, and and I'm I'm not regretting it. It was good. I was glad I did nothing for a week. Um, but but we, when you might go to a baseball game, brother Jim, I don't have a mindset of I don't care if there's trash over there. I'm not. It's not my problem. Right? I'm not worried about anything in the field. It's not my problem. I can just sit and enjoy myself, right? There's a different mentality. That's how pretty much everyone is in the stadium. It's a relaxing atmosphere. Go to a funeral. There's a unified, uh, you were unified in, in grieving for whoever we're there to grieve with and show our support, right? Different crowds have different mentalities. I said all that to say this, to say something else, but um, when you go to a, um, like a Saturday night singing, and I'm so not against it. I'd love to go to more, I really. Um, but it, it is a different mentality. It is a different group of people as a whole than it is in a church service or a revival meeting or a fellowship meeting. It doesn't necessarily mean a bad thing, um, but it's completely different. Um, um, when we were traveling and singing... Groups may say this. I can tell you, we meant it. We would pray before every service. We would we practice once a week for like three or four hours once a week, and we would pray before and after that. That our goal was to prep before a message. We did not look honestly. We did not look forward to any Saturday night singings. I'm not against them, and I had a good time playing at them. They're fun, but that that is. Every Saturday night singing, every, after every picking part, people are clapping and cheering. I'm not against that. I'm fine with that. But it's just a different mentality as opposed to before a church service. I mean, it is focused on the preaching of the Word of God. It is more of a worship mentality. It's just different. And if you don't know the difference, then you probably would be more on the Saturday night crowd, to be honest with you. Um, and, and, and can I tell you this? I know many, many singing groups personally, 
know what they do, Brother Tony? They schedule from Saturday to Saturday to Saturday, and they're happy to travel on Sunday morning. If they get a church, that's fine, but they do not prefer it. That's a shame. Because they do not make as much money to go to a church service or a revival meeting where they're only going to sing a few songs and not sell as many CDs. That's not the message, but, but it's a different mentality in where you are. And, and um, there's a... When you go to a, a concert where they're just like an all-day singing... And I'm not, I love to go to those. It's just way low on the priority list. But, but you go over all these all-day singings, and people are listening to, to music, and what groups do is that they're anxious to sing their new songs, and that's great, more power to them. But there's a wise thing that groups will do. If, if, if the concert's going on for a few hours, it's going to go all day. Not normally the new group coming in or the young kids, normally somebody that's wiser and been around the block a while. They're not going to just sing all the new stuff. They're going to sing just straight melodies. Sweet by and by, I'll fly away. People can relate to that. They're, 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 they, they know those songs. You know, nothing against the newer stuff, but there's something about the older stuff, right? So when we come to Scripture, sometimes when we open up the passage, we're like Daniel Lyons that, oh, I already know the story, so I'm going to tune out because I, I know all of it, right? We've all been there. Well, nobody's raising hand but me? Okay, okay. But it's true. Because, because our natural human mentality is we kind of like to be, we like that wow factor of like, wow, that blows my mind, the Trinity. That, I can't believe that God worked in that way or whatever it is. And sometimes after we've been saved a while, we get so used to all these stories that we've, uh, 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 history in the Bible and things that God tells us, we're, we're just used to, comfortable with them. We've heard them 20 times. Can I tell you that I believe that with all my heart, if you heard Daniel in the lion's den 300 times, if your heart is right and open, God can still move on your heart. You can learn something. You could grow and mature. God can open up your eyes about something in the book of Romans, even when the preacher's talking about the book of Daniel. I believe that with all my heart. Here we're coming to a passage of scripture that we all know. I ask, what kind of crowd are you this morning? Are you, are you just going to kind of tune out because it's all the same old hat and you, you, you've heard it a thousand times? Or are we going to have a heart mentality of, man, maybe I can learn something this morning. Maybe God will show me, even outside of what the pastor is saying. Amen. First Samuel chapter 17, verse 4. We'll be doing a lot of reading, but not really any turning. Amen. First Samuel chapter 17, verse 4. And there went out a champion out of the camp of the Philistines named Goliath of Gath, whose height was six cubits in a span. And he had a helmet of brass upon his head, and he was armed with a coat of mail, and the weight of the coat was 5,000 shekels of brass. Can I just stop right here for a moment? It's on my mind. I don't know why. Um, but, 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 but there's a group of people that want to talk about giants in, in the old times. Because the Bible mentions giants in the Bible. The problem is we have this mindset from Disney the giants in the beanstalk are like, you know, 10 stories tall. That is not a biblical giant. The Philistines were giants, and, and, and Goliath was the giant of giants. And, and we can speculate because they measured, like, what, from here to here or something? Was it 
cubit or man, I forget. It was roughly 13, give or take, feet tall. Tall, tall. And here's the tallest of the tall. Uh, we could say today, Shaquille O'Neal, giant, right? All right, that's not the message. Uh, we go back to verse 6. And he had uh, greaves of brass upon his legs and a target of brass between his shoulders. And the staff of his spear was like a weaver's beam. And his spear's head, and his spear's head weighed 600 shekels of iron, and one bearing a shield went before him. And he stood and cried unto the armies of Israel and said unto them, Why are ye come out to set your battle in array? And not I a Philistine, and ye servants to Saul? Choose you a man for choose you a man for you, and let him come down to me. If he be able to fight with me and to kill me, then will we be your servants. But if I prevail against him and kill him, then shall ye be our servants and serve us. And the Philistines said, I defy the armies of Israel this day. Give me a man that we may fight together. When Saul and all Israel heard those words of the Philistine, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. Brother Zollers, I'd be honored if you'd open this message in a word of prayer, sir. Amen. We all know this story. I mean, we, we know it. You've been saved for a while or not even saved for a If you've gone to junior church at all or been in church for a while, you, you know this story. And it's awesome. It's awesome. I mean, it's not just, it's not just that uh, God did a mighty work, but there's so much more. To, there's so much more than, than what's at face value. There just is. I, you know, I don't know how many times I heard it, but when I was a teenager, Brother Tony, the first time... When it, I was in my parents' basement reading, I was laying on my, we had a mattress on the floor because grandma was living with us. And, and I'm on this cement floor. It was a king-size mattress. Don't feel sorry for me. Right? It was, I was comfortable. Laying on my bed, I'm reading this. And when I read where David ran to Goliath, I know you've all heard us a preacher, but I remember when I realized he ran. It wasn't like, oh, man, I'm going to do this. <laughs> no, he ran. Uh, there's so much encouragement in just that alone. That's not the message, but amen. Can we jump to uh, 1 Samuel 17, 15, verse 15? But David went and returned from Saul uh, to feed his father's sheep at Bethlehem. And the Philistines drew near morning and evening and presented himself 40 days. Jump to verse 22. And David left his carriage in the hand of the keeper of the carriage and ran into the army and came and saluted his brethren. And as he talked with them, behold, there came up the champion, the Philistine of Gath, Goliath by name, out of the armies of the Philistines and spake according to the same words. And David heard them. And all the men of Israel, all the men of Israel, when they saw the man, fled from him and were sore afraid. Jump to verse 26. And David spake to the men that stood by him, saying, What shall be done to the man that killeth this Philistine? And taketh away the reproach from Israel. For who is the, uh, this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? And that should be our question today. What is this evil before us? Well, why, why is anybody standing up for what's right? Jump to verse 28. 
And Eliab, his eldest brother, that's David's brother, heard when he spake unto the men. And Eliab's anger was kindled against David. And he said, Why camest thou down hither? And with whom hast thou left those few sheep in the wilderness? Just really belittling him for being a shepherd as he's a nobody. The, the world, hate, the culture hated shepherds back then. And his brother went on to say, I know thy pride and the naughtiness of thine heart, for thou art come down that thou mightest see the battle. Number one this morning, the bitter backslider. David's brother was bitter at David. Who, who did David think he was that God could just come and take down Goliath? His brother uh, Eliab, if I'm saying his name right, he, he, was, he was bitter at David. After all, David was just a shepherd. What would he know about uh, an entire army of Israel that's fought wars and that are seasoned? What would David know? I really need to stick to it. It's not a long message if I don't keep getting off my notes. You know that happens today? You might have seasoned Christians that have been saved for up 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, 40 years. And just because maybe, maybe we've lost our first love. And we see somebody young come along, doing something for the cause of Christ, doing something great, wanting to do something. Then we get better at them because it's making us look bad. We see that in, in the factory workers all the time. You know, I, I, I've had so many people tell me uh, their stories that they go there and they say, look, son, you're going to go at this pace. You're not going to go fast because you'll make us look bad. Amen. I got to get, let me stay on here. Number one, the bitter backslider. The, the backslidden Christian will always, 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 always be bitter at the Christian who's serving God. When you're with a group of men, and lady, a group of anybody, uh, I'm applying it to my life, you're a group of men um, in any aspect, there's always going to be somebody that's uh, not as hard of a worker, right? And I'm not talking about health issues or age. I'm just talking just in general. You go to the work, the, the, the workplace, there's just going to be somebody that's just not going to want to work as hard. Here's what happens. The people that don't want to work as hard will kind of stay together. The people that are really pushing to get something done, well, naturally, say it again, you have more in common. There's more to be unified. That's why it's so important that we're unified as a church, right? Amen. Birds of a feather, they flock together. The complainers will always stick together and complain about others. Go to any job site, go to any church, there will always be a group that complains about what's happening. Let's continue on in our text. Verse 30. And he turned from him toward another. This is talking about David looking from one to another and spake after the same manner and the people answered him again after the former manner. You say, what did that mean? I don't understand King James language. He's saying David went from one person to another and they all were mad and bitter at him saying, you just want to come see the fight. Leave us alone. They were probably ashamed that their God of Abraham couldn't defeat Goliath. David was just getting the same response to everyone that he talked to. Amen. Titus 1.15, unto the pure, all things are pure. But unto them that are defiled and unbelieving is nothing pure, but even their mind and conscience is defiled. Unto the pure, all things are pure. They tend to stick together because the conversation gravitates towards that. People that are negative will gravitate to each other because their conversation aids that. Amen. Number one.
Let me say this. How many times has God put something in our path? And instead of growing and maturing, we bow our backs to the situation. And without even realizing it, we're losing blessings that God had for us laid out that he wanted to give us. Then we live in a state of backsliding while, while, while we stay in this place for so long and then eventually we come to a place of, of living in a backsliding state for so long that depression comes in. And God hasn't moved in your life in years and now you start to say, God's not moving anymore. All Christians are so negative and awful. Well, because that's, that's all the Christians you're talking to. All of a sudden, the world is against you. You haven't seen God move in your life because you've done nothing for God in your life. You haven't put yourself under the authority of God to do nothing. And, amen, my brain is just going a mile a minute right now. Number one, the bitter backslider. David's brother was a bitter backslider. Let, let me get on to point number two. Point number two, your giant may not be for you. It may not be for you. Let's read in our text, verse 44, 1744. And the Philistines said to David, Come to me, and I will give thy flesh into the fowls of the air and to the beasts of the field. Then said David to the Philistine, Thou comest to me, this is like awesome, this is awesome. Thou comest to me with a sword and with a spear and with a shield, but I come to thee in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom thou hast defied. David's a little boy. He, he, he's a young teenager. And he's got faith. You know, if Goliath would have killed David that day, why well, still sing David's praises? Amen. Uh, verse 46, David still speaking to Goliath where everyone can hear. He says, This day will the Lord deliver thee into mine hand, and I will smite thee and take thine head from thee, and I will give the carcass of the host of the Philippines this day into the fowls of the air and to the wild beasts of the earth, and all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. And all this assembly shall know that the Lord saveth not what with sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hands. Man, I love this. And it came to pass when the Philistine arose and came and drew nigh to meet David, that David hasted and ran toward the army to meet the Philistine. And David put his hand in his bag and took thence a stone and slang it and smote the Philistine in his forehead that the stone sunk into his forehead and he fell upon his face to the earth. So David prevailed over the, over the Philistine with a sling and a stone and, the, and smote the Philistine and slew him, but there was no sword in the hand of David. Can I just say this as a side note? Shepherds were nothing back then. They were looked down upon because all you got to do is take care of the sheep, and sheep are dumb. You just got to hurt them. You got to just take care of them. You got to do everything for them. It's like a babysitting. But it's not particularly hard. You don't have to be so skilled to be a shepherd. Oh, there's, a, there's skill involved. There's a lot to do. But it was so looked down upon. Here's the thing. I bet you, I'm speculating now, but I think the principle runs true. There's probably a whole lot of shepherds throughout all of history that just sat there and watched the sheep did what they had to do. If one went away, we'll go get it. Uh, break his leg, right? Do the whole thing. Make him come back. Then the sheep would love him. Feed him when they have to. Bare minimum. 
because I'm just a shepherd. I'm just killing my time. <laughs> Looked at my wife like I'm a shepherd and kill time. Yeah, yeah. They, they, they got out their dial, sundial, and, right? Uh, but here's the thing. If that was how David treated his job as a shepherd, there would be no Goliath. There would be no, what, a lion and a bear that he killed in the past, right? He wouldn't even know how to shoot a sling. But what was David doing? He was practicing with the sling. He spent his time doing stuff. He spent his time reading and praying, studying the scriptures that he had, amen? He wasn't wasting his time. He was doing all that he could do in the place that he was. And some people will say, well, my place, I, this isn't for me, whatever. I, I want to do something else. But David gave his all. He gave his all in the place where he was. And God, boy, God worked in him in a mighty way. I mean, it was David. It was David. God worked in his life so greatly. See, David had faith in God. I believe that Goliath was not really a problem for David. I'm not saying that there wasn't a measure of fear, right? Um, but I don't believe that David was as scared to face Goliath because David had the power of God on his side. David knew what he could do with the sling. David knew the power of God. He had faith in God, even when it seemed impossible. I would run from a bear. And be dead. <laughs> you know, I would, I would, I would just, I can't even imagine a lion. You know, but, but David said, no, that's my sheep. That's my job. I will do it to the nth degree. And God grew him from that. Man, I'm thinking of applications in my mind that uh, are so prevalent was not even my intention, but it's intention, but it's so true as I think and amen. David was already faithful. His heart was already where it was supposed to be. But for the sake of the whole entire Israelite army, God allowed Goliath to be raised up. For the sake of all of God's people that were watching, God allowed Goliath to be raised up. For the sake of the Philistine army, God allowed Goliath to be raised up and be taken down by David. God allowed Goliath to be raised up for us today. What? So we can understand more the mind of Christ. So we can apply these things to our lives. So we can learn and relearn basic principles of faith in an almighty God. What's that verse that says Paul was saying and for some of you ought to be teachers, but you have to relearn the basic things of the word, something along those lines. Because we know the we know it. But but when was the last time we particularly read that passage of scripture? Right? We're like buckets with holes in them. We just I, I told somebody the other day. I don't think people are so smart that are smart. Bear with me. But I think they just have the ability to retain knowledge. Man, I feel like a wise owl with that one. <laughs> Smartest thing I've ever said in all my life. Amen. I believe that Goliath wasn't so much for David, but was for the people that were around and watching what was happening. When the doctor tells you that your son has cancer, that giant may not be for you as it may be for the people around you to see how you're going to react to the situation. 
when you lose your job, are you going to quit church and get depressed and get mad? Are you going to quit coming to church because your job didn't go the way you wanted it to? When you lost your uh, loved one, are you going to quit listening to God by leaving your Bible in the closet? Maybe God allowed you to lose your job. So, not, yeah, for you to grow, sure. But maybe it's for the people around you to grow, to see how you're going to react as a Christian. Uh, we have such an American selfish mindset. I'm going to come to church to see what I can get out of the service. I, I want to go to the, the special meeting for what I can get out of. Man, if we would stop that, go to church so we could be a blessing to somebody else. Man, that goes so much far and above. We don't know where to turn. It all seems lost. For some reason, our human nature tends to bypass the power of prayer. Do you know when we do that, we're showing the Lord what we think of the power of prayer? We're showing the Lord what we think of his promises and the greatest tool that he's ever given us. Even a child is known by his doings. What are you known for? Losing your mind with anxiousness when a bump comes in the road? Are you known for complaining whenever something doesn't go your way? Are you known for praising God even in the storm? Yeah. Pastor Ammon has a story, I think, about his dad that I have about my dad. Uh, many of you may have the same kind of story. My dad had a flat tire in the rain, he didn't get upset. He wasn't cussing up a storm, but he was praising God. You know what he was doing? He's been an example to the kids in the back seat. This is what a godly man does. I'm going to praise God through the trial. That'll stick with you. It'll also stick with you when you're cussing up a storm and you're angry and you complain about everybody at church, you complain about everybody at work, you complain about the car, piece of crap car. Your children are going to remember that. Maybe not coming to church on a Sunday night is a giant for you. Can I tell you? Coming on Sunday night, Wednesday night, Sunday school, that is like such an encouragement. Such an encouragement. Uh, so somebody once came here that, that rarely comes here. It was a Sunday morning. He came to the main service, and he, he said to me, this was right after COVID, so it was even more like, what are you talking about? And uh, I don't know. We had 20 people in here. I don't know. And he said something about, man, there's like nobody here. It's like depressing. He goes, how are you going to grow a church if nobody comes? I want to pull my hair out. <laughs> like, you know, amen. <laughs> amen. <laughs> I, uh, ben told me just the other day, I, as a pastor and knowing a lot of pastors, it'd, it'd be fun to get together and write a book of all the the crazy excuses you hear over the years, right? Uh, I, I know many are true, but many are not not good. Some are embarrassing. Amen. Amen. 
Number one, there will always be a bitter black backslider to discourage you for sure. Number two, the giant you're facing may not even be for you, but for those around you. And number three, and finally, that giant may not even be for today. You say, Pastor, that makes no sense. We turn to 1 Samuel chapter 21, verse 8. Your giant may not even be for today. Years down the road, David, he finds himself running for his life from the king, King Saul. And he finds himself on the run with no preparation, no weapons, no food, no nothing. And he asks a priest for some food and, you know, and, and something, a weapon of some sorts. The priest of Limelech, of course, he gave him some shoe bread, but he only had one weapon available to give David. Let's read about it. And if you don't get excited, then your excited meter is broken. Look at verse 8. It's verse Samuel 21, verse 8. And David said unto Elimelech, is there, not, uh, is, is there not here under thine hand spear or sword? For I have neither brought my sword nor my weapons with me, because the king's busyness required haste. He didn't tell the priest that he was running for his life at that moment. In verse 9, And the priest said, The sword of Goliath, the Philistine, whom thou slewest in the valley of Elah, uh, behold, it is here wrapped in a cloth behind the ephod. If thou wilt take that, take it. For there is no other save thee that here. And David said, there is none like that. Give it me. <laughs> I don't think it's of any coincidence that, that God uh, allowed David to wipe out Goliath as a public declaration of what God can do, even when it seems impossible. For years down the road to set that sword aside from Goliath and hold on to it for David just in a time as this. Amen. Church, there's so many applications here, more than just reading. But man, whatever giant we're facing today, you might be a blessing to somebody down the road that's going through the same thing. We don't know what position you're... I would never dream that I was going to be a pastor. So whatever I dealt with in my life, I'm sure God allowed this, this to happen. Say, you know what, you're going to need this in the ministry for later, whatever. Whatever's happening in your life, you might say, well, I will never be a Sunday school teacher. I will never have kids. I, I will never, whatever you might want to think of. We don't know what that giant's for. Could be for you today. I'm sure there's application. But it, it could be for down the road, Brother Tony. We we don't know. We we got this little vision just like just like five feet in front of us because we just don't see very clearly. But God can see down the road. He knows what we need, and He knew. You know what? I'm going to hold on to that sword. I'm going <clears> to. <throat> think about this. Before Goliath even even taunted Israel and taunted the God of Abraham. God looked down when they, when the Philistines made this big massive sword. God said, you know what? I'm going to allow David to use that. Not only to chop off Goliath's head when he's born, uh, but I, I'm going to allow David to use that when he's running for his life. He's going to need it. It's the difference of having a perspective of trusting God. We're trying to do it in our own self. What happens? Depression, bitterness, the whole gamut. Amen. I don't think it would have probably entered the thought of David when he killed Goliath that this victory would literally give him the girding that he would one day need for a future fight. I bet that didn't even dawn on him. 
That does not dawn on us when we're going through a valley thinking, man, how can God use us in the future? It doesn't even dawn on us. I know some preachers that have gone through some really, really hard times in their lives. We know missionaries and stories where, where, where they just went through some hard, bitter times. Um, you know, imagine Brother Priday losing his wife. Let's just say it was just him and his wife that would often happen, almost always happen on the mission field. You go out, then you lose your spouse, now you're there by yourself in a foreign country. I mean, you don't have the luxuries of home, you don't have the family to talk to, to all those things. Wow. The problem is that we're so weak as Christians that we don't fight giants anymore. We cower and watch TV. I'll be so bold as to say some Christians don't even fight. They're sitting on the sideline eating all the cheese and the wine, waiting for some, saying somebody ought to do something about Goliath. Well, it ain't going to be me. Can I tell you, that's the majority sitting on the sideline being bitter as somebody that's doing something for the cause of Christ and getting at him about it, saying you just want to, you just, you're just here a young man trying to just, just to get into trouble and see the show. It's all the same. Every single message is the same. It's a heart issue. It's a heart issue. It's a heart tithing. It's a heart issue. Uh, missions giving. It's a heart issue. Um, um, uh, being a blessing to somebody that is hard to be a blessing to. It, it's a heart. It's, if your heart is right, it's easy to serve the Lord. I mentioned it earlier, the Great Commission is not for pastors. It's not for churches. It's for Christians. And obviously that fills into the church because we're made up of Christians. We need to have the mindset of we serve a God that can, so let's do. For some of you, it may may not even be a giant in front of you per se, but a giant decision to make. Maybe you've come to the place in the road that everyone comes to in life. Trust in the God of the Bible to guide you or do it your own way. Church, friend, anybody watching online, don't do it your own way, please. God gave us such clear, uh, you say, well, I, I try to read my Bible and I just don't get anything out of it. You got to spend more than two minutes. The Bible is not hard. The majority of this is very easy to understand. And, I, and I'll tell you this, like I said at the beginning of the message, and we're about to close here, that you can read the same passage over and over and God will give you something new every time. And this preacher is thankful for that. Amen. Maybe you've come to a place in the road where you realize that Jesus isn't just the Savior of all mankind a couple thousand years ago, but he's the Savior of you. 
And that's the difference that needs to be made. I, so many people believe in Jesus. So many people believe in God. So many people believe in Jesus, the Son of God. So many people believe that Jesus, the Son of God, came down and gave his life for the sins of all mankind, and that's where it ends. There's a difference of uh, believe in and believe on. Amen. You can believe that that swing will, you can, you can believe that that bridge will hold you. But it's a whole lot different to go walk on the bridge and to trust in it. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. There's no other way. No other way to heaven. There's no other way to happiness and life. It doesn't stop at our salvation. Happiness comes by trusting the Lord, pointing ourselves under his authority, doing whatever scripture says, period. As the song says, there's a heaven to gain in a hell to shine. Hell is hot. It is a real place. Um, it is described uh, in, in, in some pretty good detail. We went over it in Sunday school some months ago. It's not just some figurative type of a thing. That It's not just uh, eternity separated from God, which is hell enough. But it's a real place of torment. Fire and brimstone, it's black, it's dark, you can't see nothing. You, you, hear, you hear wailing and gnashing of teeth. If we just think about that every now and then, all of a sudden it becomes a lot easier to walk in the house of God and say, man, we serve a good God. What can I do to serve? Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. What is the will of my Father which is in heaven? to get saved, to be born again. It's a rebirth. That's what Jesus taught. Regardless of what people that are too smart for their britches think, that's what the disciples taught. They didn't teach anything other than what Jesus was teaching. That was salvation, a rebirth, a spiritual birth. You cannot be born again and not go to heaven. Amen. We don't want to be better. Maybe that giant's not for you. Maybe that giant, God's preparing you for the future. Boy, we can learn from the Word of God if we just really look at it. Because just like God's grace is just as big as we need, God will show us just as much as we study. If we don't study, He's not going to show us nothing. If we don't want to grow, he's not going to allow us to grow. Let's close in a word of prayer. Lord, as always, we want to thank you for your word. Thank you, God, for the word come down to the flesh, Jesus Christ. Lord, if it weren't for his shed blood, we would have...